If, you're, uh, uh, if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, Matthew 14, 22 to thir- uh, 33. If you're a visitor here, you are very welcome. Uh, my name's Raj, I'm one of the elders here at Jubilee, along with uh, Simon and Sarush, and soon to be Gavin! Get that date in your diary, don't, don't, if you've missed that by the way, if you've been on a different planet, um, on the 14th of May we're going to be laying hands and commissioning Gavin into Jubilee Eldership. I'm very, very excited about that. Jeremy from, uh, Jeremy Simpkins from New Frontiers Christ Central Churches is coming along and he'll be uh, unpacking that for us, what that means and also we're going to be praying into that. So 14th of May, get that in your diary. Um, uh, Alpha Plus, we'll, just, we'll move on from that because um, Gavin's already done that. So this morning I'm going to be continuing our new sermon series, um, Who Am I in Christ? That's the answer. Um, unpacking God's solution to humanity's great, great identity crisis. How the gospel, how uh, Jesus' resurrection life, that's what Easter's all about, Jesus' resurrection life changes us from insecurity and frantic striving and condemnation uh, and condemnation to hope, joy and forgiveness and destiny in Christ. Uh, uh, Jesh just drew this out uh, this morning at the back there and it says here, it says on this side, uh, you can probably see that, I'm dirty without Jesus. But the good news is I'm clean with Jesus. Hooray! That's what he's, that's what, and you know, that, that's the identity crisis. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the who am I question, which is so important and a backbone uh, for these um, for these coming sermons, I've been seeing a man for a. Uh, I've been seeing a man. Next slide. I've been seeing a man for a few months now in my GP surgery. He came to me in September last year, weeping really, out of control, um, real in real despair. A guy in his fifties. Over this time, we talked. He medicated. We went through counselling, and over those coming months. Um, he actually started to get significantly better. And on Wednesday, just gone, uh, we had a chat and reflected on all that had happened and what had brought all this, all this on. And his diagnosis was, and this is what his words, I guess I was having an identity crisis, doctor. That's what he told me. Um, his wor- uh, those were his words. He put, he put his who am I over the years in his work uh, um, and eventually that failed him when he made, got made redundant. He put his, who am I, in his relationships. Um, but eventually they failed him too, especially close family relationships. He even put his, who am I, in his creativity and art. But when he didn't get the acclamation and the rewards or awards that he so, dis- uh, that he so desired, that destroyed him too. That surprised me on Wednesday. I didn't know about that. As he reflected on all this stuff, tears started welling up in his eyes again and again. And we got to talk about a whole load of stuff um, that morning. What do we worship? We talked about what idols. We talked about the church. We talked about Jesus. I could see the cogs turning in his mind. He trusted me. I've known this guy for 20 years now. I've ha- and that morning I had the privilege of depositing a gospel seed in his life. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, Jubilee, I just want to encourage you. Are you looking for those opportunities on a day-to-day basis? Divine encounters where God wants to use you and me to deposit seeds of the gospel. They're everywhere. All those moments are everywhere um, around us. I probably let more go than I grab hold of, if I'm honest. And, and often those, those moments are rooted in this who am I question. It's a core issue. It's a deep fundamental question of the soul. And that's why we're spending a long time addressing it. So this week I want us to look at another in Christ truth. We've been through a few uh, in the last few weeks dotted around other people speaking as well. Uh, that in Christ, this morning we're going to be talking about that in Christ we are chosen for purpose. In Christ, we are chosen for purpose. Ephesians 1.4 tells us this. It tells us that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ so that we would be the praise of the glory of His grace. Wow. Jesus told His disciples in John 14.15, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you would go and bear fruit in Me. If you're not a Christian here this morning, do you see the big, big purpose of God in your life? Or have you just made everything small? Even the atheist Bertrand Russell once wrote, unless you assume God, the question of life's purpose, he says, this is a guy who doesn't believe in God, unless you assume God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. He was a brainy guy, Bertrand Russell. But ultimately, he missed it. At the end of his life, he missed it. This morning, you could have the certainty absolute certainty of knowing God intimately, beautifully in Christ. Are you up for that this morning? That's the challenge. That's the invitation that God has been speaking over us this morning. What's stopping you? A lot of the stuff that's been uh, sung in those songs and set out this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you so it's a real encouragement. I think you guys have led us, not just these guys, these guys have led us excellently in worship, but you guys have led us excellently in worship too. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a historic account of an event that happened in the life of Peter, one of Jesus' followers, his disciples, his friends, an event that changed his life forever. The day Peter walked on water. So let's read it together. Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Matthew 14. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus often did that. Later that night, long time praying, he was there, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I, Jesus. Do not be afraid. Lord, 
If it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these amazing stories. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these amazing historic accounts where you touched the lives of men and women in your time and continue to do so. And I pray, Lord God, as we unpack this particular story, a story of faith, a story of fear, a story of doubt, a story of choosing, a story of stepping out for great purpose, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will touch us as you've been touching us all this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you lift our heads and see the big God that is before us. He is alive. Thank you for Easter, Lord God. You are alive and you are alive and touching lives every single day. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be, have hearts that are receiving you more and more every day too. Thank you. Over the years, we've had the privilege of uh, traveling to various parts of the world. And the one thing that they've all had in common was the dreaded aeroplane journey. Who likes aeroplane journeys? Um, I've never been a great flyer. I've been in a plane with Dave. He knows that. I've never been a great flyer. I often remember sitting in planes before they're taking off, thinking all sorts of bizarre thoughts, like, that wing looks a bit wonky on the left, and I hope these wheels aren't pumped up too much so that when they land, they don't pop. You know, thoughts like that. And, and, and one of the thoughts that I regularly used to think about was, I wonder if it's today, is it, if it's this pilot's first day flying a real plane. I've often had that thought. I remember my first day as a real doctor in Middlesbrough General thinking, blimey, this is for real. Concentrate, concentrate, keep, keep your eyes open, keep looking. And, and, and I remember trying to take blood from different patients on my first day, and sometimes I'd get it right, and sometimes I'd get it wrong. My first day as a doctor, um, and actually years after as well. And, 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 and sitting in the plane and thinking about my first day as a doctor, I would hope and pray that today was not the sometimes getting it wrong day for this pilot who was starting. That wouldn't be good, would it? And really the question at the heart of everything that I was thinking was, could I trust the pilot? Could I trust the pilot? And really, that's the big question of life, isn't it? Can I really trust the pilot? You either think that or you believe that life is one big accident and that there is no pilot, we're just rolling the dice. I think that's scarier, if I'm honest. You either think that, um, uh, uh, and, and that's what Peter had to figure out in this moment of testing, this moment of excitement. Could he trust the pilot, Jesus? And that's the question for us this morning. Can we trust the pilot? Will we be water walkers, Jubilee, for Jesus? And if the answer to that question is yes, then what can we learn from this historic event that we've just read about? 
to help us to get there. Do you want to be a water walker? No, no. Do you want to be a wa- Hello, somebody. No, I'm not that tall, am I? Do you want to be a water walker? Yes. We all want to be water walkers. Uh, and so a few things about that one. So let's, 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 let's picture what's happening here. Jesus has had a very hard day. Yeah, this is just after the miraculous feeding of at least 5,000 people uh, and a full packed day of amazing teaching and encouragement. And now Jesus wants to be alone. He wants to pray. The guys are fine with that. His disciples are fine with that. The one thing Peter really knew about was boats. He'd, he'd, he'd been a fisherman since he was a little lad. Boating without Jesus, no problem. And so he said to Jesus, look, God, look you take a few minutes out. It's fine. Um, But what he didn't realize was that today, this day, was the day that Jesus was choosing him to do something extraordinary. So on their boats alone, a storm comes, a big one, a violent one. The boat was struggling, Matthew says, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Suddenly, a, a, a relaxing boat trip um, um, becomes a titanic nightmare. Everyone's terrified. And then in the midst of all this chaos, they see somebody, something, somebody approaching. They see Jesus actually walking on water. And because of the miraculous nature and, or the terrifying nature of what they are seeing, they miss Jesus. Who else would it be? They miss Jesus. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, Matthew tells us. It's a ghost, they said, and cry out in fear. Ah! Reminds me of the Goonies. I don't even watch the Goonies. Anyhow, that doesn't matter. Forget that. What's Matthew trying to tell us here? He wants us to get, he wants us to get that it takes the eyes of faith to recognize when Jesus is around. We were singing that song, weren't we? King of heaven, come. He's here. He's here already. What's that song about? It's about us recognizing the presence of God more and more in our lives. His appearance is what theologians call a theophany. In Mark's version of this event, um, he says Jesus intended to pass them by. The Greek word is parakomai, to pass by. Mark Mark uses these exact words deliberately because his listeners would have recognized these exact words uh, way back in the Old Testament in their Bible. In Exodus 33, God says to Moses, when my glory passes by, a theophany, I will put you in the cleft in a rock and cover you with my hand until I have Passed by, parakomai. One, uh, King, uh, 1 Kings 19, the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by, parakomai. Isaiah experienced it too. So did Ezekiel and King David. I, I loved how Shirley added in that um, extra little verse in that song, show me your heart, show me your way, show me your glory. Theophanies. Theophanies. David Garland, a Bible teacher, writes this. Theophanies are great. Theophanies are defining moments when God made striking and temporary appearances in the earthly realm to a select individual or group for the purpose of uh, communicating 
a message. In each case, God had to get people's attention before he called them to do something extraordinary. Hear this. Seeing God in his glory always, always precedes doing things for his glory. Otherwise, it's just religion. And we see in the Bible that theophanies would often be in the context of difficulty and adversity. We hear stories, don't we, particularly in the Muslim nation, of many people seeing visions of Jesus in the most dire situations. And those visions of Jesus lifting people, calling people miraculously into trusting Him. Fascinating stories. And often they come in difficulty. Moses had a tough ride. Elijah wanted to end his life. Peter was ultimately imprisoned, uh, beaten, uh, and eventually martyred for his faith. How did these guys persevere through all of that? They saw God's glory first. They saw God's glory first. The Apostle Paul says this about God's empowering grace in adversity. He says, In 1 Corinthians 12, my grace, God's grace, is sufficient for you and me, for God's power is made perfect in my weakness. That's what he sang about in that song, didn't we? Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. He's turning it around in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then and only then am I strong. Dale Brunner, another Bible teacher, writes this. According to the Holy Scriptures, human extremity, difficulties, hardship, is the frequent meeting place with God. Is that your experience? I know it definitely is some of your experience. It's certainly certainly been my experience over the years. What's going on in your life at the moment? Trials, difficulties, things don't look, they're going going the right way. Where's Jesus? Do you see him? Because if you're not looking for him, you're going to miss him. And all through, and you'll go through all of that without God. But he's here. He's here now. Often, often in the most difficult and unlikely places. In Corrie Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, she tells of a story about how her family get arrested by Nazis uh, in Holland and they get taken to Ravensbrück concentration camp. Some of you will remember this quote. And there she describes the horrors of Nazi torture and incarceration, as well as their resilient faith. She She recounts bending down to a sister, Betsy, lying there, skin and bones, about to die. And hearing Betsy, even in the most dire situation of all, Betsy whispering to her, we must tell people what we have learned here, Corrie. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he, Jesus, is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corrie, for we have been there. Jesus says to Peter, look, this pilot is totally trustworthy. Take courage. It is I, Jesus. Don't be afraid. Do you see me? Some of you need to hear that this morning. The second thing we see here is that Peter's trust 
in Jesus. Is, we see here is that Peter's trust in Jesus, Peter's encounter with Jesus, results in following, in obedience. Even when everything doesn't perfectly make sense. Peter so far uh, has spent his entire life on water. He knows its properties inside out. He may never have studied the molecular composition of H2O, but he does know crystal clear that water don't hold up human men's feet. Yet despite this, he listened and followed his Lord. In fact, hear what he says, exactly what he says here. He says, Lord, if it is you... Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. This is motivation. This is is obedience motivated by grace. I don't want to do anything that you don't tell me to do, Lord. Why? Because I trust you. I love you. This isn't just an obligation. Discerning between faith and foolishness, I believe, is one of the biggest things that Christian maturity is about. When are we stepping out in faith, or actually, when are we not hearing God? And it comes more and more from understanding, knowing, listening to Jesus. It's a relationship. Reflecting on the Bible, slowing down in prayer, allowing God the Holy Spirit to captivate and guide you, letting God's ideas trump your thoughts and feelings, allowing the community of other believers, very important, um, to shape and challenge you. These are God's tools so that together we hear the come, come, come calling of God. This is where faith and foolishness is sifted This is where grace-motivated obedience grows. Are you proactively growing in discerning the call of God on your life and your family's life? For church stuff, for work, whatever it is. I loved what Don Smith said at one of his talks. We don't get to the top of the mountain by accident. Water walkers see God first. Water walkers obey the call of God. Water, the third thing I see here is that water walkers take action. Take action. Sometimes we can hide behind all this stuff and not do a thing. James declares in his own, in his own kind of robust way, faith without deeds is dead. Peter steps out of the boat. Did you see that? This was probably the hardest bit of all. The boat was safe and secure. The water was treacherous and storming. The boat made sense. The water didn't. But Peter sees Jesus passing by. He trusts that the pilot's okay. He hears Jesus' invite to the mother of all adventures. Come! And then, scared stiff, looking only at Jesus, he makes that step. He's out there now. No turning back. Do you believe there's no turning back? This is a season for water walking. This is a season of stepping out in faith, not being distracted by fear and comfort. We heard that this morning, didn't we? God is speaking to all of us and has been speaking to all of us, even this morning here in this room, that there is more to life than just sitting in a boat. Receiving Jesus in spirit and truth Every day like you never have before. 
Reaching out to those who God has put you in the midst of. Restoring community by giving yourself to it wholeheartedly. Releasing everyone by being available and purposeful and discipling. And some of you older guys fathering others. It'll cost you. You'll have to go out of your way. Uh, Your schedule will be messed up a lot. It'll stretch you. Charlotte's laughing. But that's the difference between inside the boat and outside the boat. I believe God wants to speak to our boats this morning. What's your boat? What's your boat? What's the safety and security that takes you away from the adventure of riding the waves with God? What's your boat? What's stopping you, distracting you, drawing you away from the intended purpose of God in your life? God wants to turn that around this morning. God wants to speak into it this morning. Leaving it behind might be one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Fourth thing. Water walkers expect problems. Fact. Even not getting out of the boat is very risky. Very risky. Possibly more risky. The things that turns, the things that... um, that turns that this glorious water this glorious water walking experience into a bit of a flop uh, with Peter is that he saw the wind. That's what it says, doesn't it? He saw the wind and he was afraid. The wind shouldn't have come as a surprise to Peter. Nothing had changed. He wasn't expecting um, he wasn't expecting the storm to go away as soon as he touched the water. But it shifted his focus. His mind, his heart drifted from saviour to storm. That's the reality of the battle of life, isn't it? Opposition, setbacks, obstacles, hurdles. We looked at that in the book of Nehemiah, didn't we? The wind is expected. We have an enemy who is against all that God is for. He wants the wind to keep us inactive, scared in the boat. We also have a God, we also have a God who's working through trials and hardships, a God who molds us through difficulties and adversity. Battling fear little by little is often how God grows us. Isn't it? Question. Did Peter fail? Did Peter fail? There's a lot of writing about this. It depends on what you think failure is. If you actually think about it, failure is not so much an event, but rather a judgment about that event. How we view that event. Did Peter fail? Well, I guess his faith wavered a bit, didn't it? But hear this, there were almost certainly 11 bigger failures in that boat that day that Peter sailed. They failed quietly, those other guys. They failed privately. No one noticed their failure. No one criticized it. Only Peter, however, failed publicly for all to see. And it changed him. He was teachable. Together, we've been gradually rebuilding the ship again, haven't we? It's not finished yet, you might have noticed. We've developed the beginnings of a pastoral care team, some of the things we've been doing. 
uh, headed up by Sarush. Brilliant. We've um, revamped Alpha and brought people into a longer discipling journey through Alpha Plus, a good 20 weeks or so. We've helped Michael Akotti, our brother in Christ and his family, grow in his call to church planting across the Volta region of Ghana. What an honor. We're growing in our links with Jasper and Jasper and Noel from the Shiloh Church in Ethiopia. Skyping him very briefly uh, the other day was, you know, it was, it was a privilege. Um, we're supporting the Lighthouse Church in Turkey. Sarush, Marbash, Jonathan and Angela are heading out there in the coming months. We've helped the transition of open door move from, remember what we said or what God spoke about, child to adult. Um, um, as, as it stands more and more on its own two feet, financially, structurally, lots of ways. We've developed community settings through our devoted group uh, structures. We're regularly gathering um, leaders for training and prophetic encouragement. We've bettered our communication processes through um, website and media and tech, something I know very little about. We're encouraging prophetic creativity in the church through art and poetry and sculpture and all that Leslie and her team are doing. We are facilitating more and more the church relationships across our differences and denominations through the Christ First first initiative. Simon is doing an excellent job in terms of liaising with some of these guys. You know what? All these are very good things, but they all come through making mistakes, lots of them, publicly. Going back to the drawing board regularly, saying sorry to a lot of people. That didn't work. Whoops. Question. Are all those moments failures? Look at where we've come. Peter failed. He did in a way. But see this too. Only Peter knew the glory of walking on water, empowered by God. And only Peter experienced the wonder of being lifted by Jesus in a moment of desperate need. And those two things will have shaped his life forever. His courageous willingness to risk failure publicly helped him grow beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Is that failure? Sir Edmund Hillary uh, tried lots of times, he was the guy who first climbed Mount Everest, tried lots of times before he eventually became the first man to climb Everest, the highest mountain in the world. And after one of those failed attempts, he stood at the base of this giant, colossal mountain and in frustration shook his fist and shouted at this mountain I'll defeat you yet because you're as big as you're going to get but I'm still growing that's what he said expect problems everything is risky failure jubilee is an opportunity for growth are we teachable finally We've just listed a few reasons uh, for water walking. Water, uh, for, but there are lots of reasons to go water walking with Jesus. Water walking grows us. It nurtures faith. We experience the exhilaration, new challenges in God. We learn to discover our call. Wow, what a ride. In Christ, we are chosen for purpose. But the biggest reason of all to walk on the water is this. The water jubilee is where Jesus is. 
Jesus isn't in the boat. Following Jesus means getting out of it. Being up close with Jesus meaning, means risking all by stepping out. Being with the everlasting fountain of joy and fulfillment. It will cost you. Of course. Jesus totally. Uh, and, and the fundamental question, and the fundamental question is where we started, isn't it? Can we trust the pilot? How do we know? How do we know we can trust this pilot? Well, we know we can trust the pilot because of this. Jesus totally got this. Jesus knew that to have us, he would have to get out of the boat too. That's how we know we can trust him. What do I mean? Jesus stepped out of his glorious boat, a yacht, in heaven itself, and tread on land and water. He rejected the safety and pleasure of everything he had to gain what was so much, much more wonderful to him. You and me. He got wet with lepers and prostitutes and the poor and the rejected and tax collectors um, and the demonized. He publicly accepted failure for the, for the greater success of bringing us to him. I loved how Ellen gave her testimony at baptisms last week and said, I was terrified at the thought that God could become human. She got it. This was a love like no other. Can you trust this pilot? Of course you can. A few years later, after this experience on the water, Jesus would step out in the most treacherous storm ever, Calvary itself. He would step out of the boat into the thunderous waves of the cross. He would take our hell into his soul. Seeing and obeying his Father, he would risk all for the joy set before him. His church, his beautiful bride, you and me. John Piper writes this, The gospel of Christ is the good news that at the cost of his son's life, God has done everything necessary to enthrall us with what will make us eternally and ever increasingly happy, namely himself. That's ultimately what we are created to be water walkers for, isn't it? Knowing Jesus. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to who? To God. You and me. What a promise, Jubilee. What a delight. Jubilee, what are we waiting for? In Christ, you are chosen for purpose. I'm going to end here. If the band can come up, that would be great. I'm going to end um, by reciting an old hymn, actually. A whole, an old hymn written by a guy called Josiah Conda um, uh, in the 1800s. And it's called, Lord, tis not that I did choose thee. And this is how it goes. If we stand, it would be great. This is how it goes. Lord, tis, tis not that I did choose thee, that I know that never could be, for this heart would still refuse thee had thy grace not chosen me. Thou hast from the sin that stained me washed and cleansed and set me free and unto this end ordained me that I ever live to thee. Twas thy grace in Christ that 
called me, taught my darkened heart and mind, else the world had yet enthralled me to thy heavenly glories blind. Now my heart owns none above thee, for thy grace alone I thirst, knowing well that if I love thee, thou, O Lord, did love me first. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for those truths. I thank you for those great truths written by men and women, songs sung by men and women who tolerated and come, came through great adversity. I pray, Lord God, for us as a church that you will pour out your Spirit every single day. We want to be water walkers for you, God. We want this journey to be held hand in hand with you as we had that picture earlier of a, a boy with a father. Lord God, we want to trust you. We, lay, we say, here I am, send me like Isaiah did. Here I am, send me. I'm going to be that water walker for you, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit. Take us from our distractions. Take us from our fear. And let us be men, women, families, children on fire for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing one more song and let's worship this great God who chose you first.